Thank you for joining us for this Prima podcast. My name is Taekwon Gilbert. I am the education coordinator at Prima and the moderator for today's podcast. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was designed to increase awareness regarding the significance of cybersecurity, as well as provide the necessary resources to ensure people are safe and secure online. To commemorate the 16th anniversary of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, Prima created a National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Each week during the month of October, Prima will feature podcasts that share important information about cybersecurity. On this podcast, Brian Scully, Chief of the United States Department of Homeland Security's Countering Foreign Influence Task Force, will discuss social media safety. Please enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Brian. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So we've heard a lot of news recently about disinformation and foreign influence campaigns in general, especially how they concern the elections. Could you provide more about what these terms mean and how you define them? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about uh, disinformation, fake news, information operations. And so the way we think about disinformation is, is we kind of define it broadly to mean information activities which are used to shape public opinion or undermine trust in the authenticity of information. And so there are specific definitions for things like disinformation and misinformation. So disinformation is when inaccurate content is uh, distributed with the intent to deceive, right? So when we talk about disinformation, it's purposeful deception. It means that a foreign adversary is purposely trying to deceive us. Misinformation is, is what we see actually probably more of, and that's when false content or false information is shared, but it's not malicious, right? It's somebody who's just not, you know, doesn't realize that what they're sharing is disinformation and they hit, you know, like or share or they retweet something. And so those terms have particular definitions and they're, and they're a little bit different. But broadly, we think about information operations at a high level and that's foreign actors trying to shape our public opinion and undermine trust. And disinformation itself is, is, is kind of that purposeful sharing of false information. Can you talk about how and why disinformation works? Sure. Yeah. So the way we think about it at the Department of Homeland Security is we've, we've created a cyclical model, right? So, so disinformation is really a cycle. And what adversaries do is they'll start with one narrative or one message and they'll see how that works. And if it takes off, then they'll add on to the message so, so they can continue the disinformation campaign. So the way we think about the cycle is it starts, like I said, with, with what we call the seed. And so this is the content, the, specific message or the specific narrative that an adversary is trying to push. Adversaries like, you know, they and, and adversaries think about this in two ways. They have kind of their long-term strategy where they're trying to undermine uh, faith in democracy and democratic institutions. But one of the things they like to do is jump on new and emerging issues. And so, you know, they can, there's no particular set of narratives or content that they're going to interact with. It's any opportunity that, that an adversary sees to, to create additional chaos or discord in the United States, they're going to they're going to try to get into it. And so the first step of the cycle is this idea of identifying a message or narrative that they're going to push. The second step of the cycle is is once they have that narrative, they need a mechanism to distribute it, right? And so there's a lot of ways that foreign adversaries distribute this information. Obviously, we hear a lot about social media, uh, and that is a primary uh, vehicle for for adversaries to to push this information, right? It's easy. It re- reaches a mass audience quickly, it's cheap, and they can just constantly push messages out to see what sticks and what doesn't stick. 
But they also use traditional media, right? So many of our foreign adversaries have state-run media outlets, and so they leverage those outlets to push disinformation as well. And then they may have individuals or groups within, say, the United States that are sympathetic to the adversary's cause and, and will also support pushing out disinformation as an individual or as a group. And so really understanding what those distribution mechanisms are uh, is really important. And so now that you have the message and they figure out the best way to distribute it, the third step in the cycle is what we call the landing environment, right? Is is where the message is landing. Are, is the individual receptive to the message? Are they hostile to the message? Or are they neutral to the message, right? And that's going to determine a lot about what actions that individual might take with, with the disinformation that lands lands at their doorstep, whether it's via social media or some other some other mechanism. And then once it lands there, the big question for us, right, is, is what do they do with it? Do they take an action? Our goal from a DHS standpoint is we're trying to really cut down on the amount of engagement uh, Americans have with, with foreign influence operations, right, with foreign disinformation. And so we'd like to see people, you know, like, share, retweet uh, less, disinformation less, and, and understand kind of what they're looking for and things like that. And so that's the third step of the cycle. And then the fourth step of the cycle is, is that this information either uh, grows, right? So the narrative grows and, it, and more people follow along and more people share, or the narrative dies, right? If it grows, the adversary will try to uh, figure out a way to keep, keep it growing. And they'll, so they'll often add additional content or they'll add kind of a second round of disinformation tied to it. If the message flames out and starts to go away, they'll look for a different narrative to start pushing it that potentially is more effective. And so that's the cycle that we kind of think about how this information works, right? So it starts with the narrative, it goes to how it's distributed, then we talk about the landing and think about where it lands in terms of the audience. And then the fourth is, does the message grow or does it go away? And then on the why side of it, sorry, forgot the second part of the question, you know, disinformation, foreign actors, when they, when they uh, conduct disinformation campaigns, right, they understand human psychology, right? And so they, they try to, the reason it works is because they push emotional content that is uh, supportive of biases or beliefs that we already have. And their goal in this, right, is, is not necessarily to, to convince somebody on the other side to switch positions. Their goal is really to push people to the more extreme positions, and that's where the emotional content comes in. And so if you think about uh, disinformation as a, a really good advertising, right, this tries to make an emotional connection. They try to make you feel like you're part of a group, uh, so there's an identity involved. And then they slowly try to push you out uh, to a more extreme position so that there's additional uh, division amongst the American people. Please provide your perspective on how disinformation and foreign influence has evolved since 2016 and what we should expect in 2020. Uh, sure. So. First, I think it's important to recognize that these campaigns by foreign adversaries are ongoing, right? And so just because the 2018 or the 2016 election is over doesn't mean that the disinformation campaigns have stopped. And so the first important point to make is that the campaigns continue and are ongoing even today, right? And the, the intelligence community has, has talked about this, and, and it's something that all Americans should, should be aware of and understand. So the second thing I would say is, we expect that there will, there will likely be more actors as we go forward, right? So the Russians in 2016 were very effective and very aggressive in terms of their disinformation in order to influence the 2016 presidential election. And the Mueller investigation and the indictment associated with that, as well as the Mueller report, do an excellent job of walking through all the actions and tactics and steps that the Russians took 
in order to to undermine our, our elections in 2016. What's also happened is that the Russian playbook is now out there. And so a variety of actors, uh, both state actors as well as non-state actors, now have the tools and an understanding of uh, the tactics to launch a successful uh, disinformation operation. And so, you know, we would expect that uh, more folks would, in you know, going into 2020 and beyond, we'd expect that more folks would be involved or at least seeking to undertake this information campaign. And so that's, I think that's one thing that, that we expect to see. The second thing is, is, you know, everyday technology is changing. There are new platforms coming online. There are new modes of communication. There are new modes uh, or new ways for people to communicate with each other. So we expect as the current platforms, the Facebooks and Twitters of the world, get more aggressive and, and continue to learn how to, to keep disinformation or bad actors off their platforms, you know, that foreign actors are going to find different ways, different platforms and different tools to push disinformation and to share disinformation and to, to kind of launch these campaigns. And so as technology changes and platforms change, we, ex- we expect to see changes in, in how the adversaries uh, act. We've seen some shifting to, and a lot of what we see is through academic researchers and think tanks and third-party researchers. And what they're starting to see is, is, is a move to closed groups and these like closed messaging apps and things like that, as well as micro-targeting. And so this is a way where foreign actors can can build an audience in a closed group. So it's very difficult for the platform to identify that there's bad actor involved, and they can push this information to a very targeted audience of people who are who are within that group. So we've heard quite a bit uh, here at DHS from from experts in the field about how you know these closed messaging groups as well as micro targeting. We expect to see more of that in the future. And we also expect to see a continued focus on discrediting the electoral system and election outcomes, right? The, the goal, particularly of the Russians, is to undermine democratic institution, to undermine the idea of democracy, and to keep us in, you know, to, to build chaos around our election processes and the legitimacy of our elections. And so, you know, I think it's, it's reasonable to expect that that type of campaign and those types of activities will continue. You know, we'll have to wait and see what they, what they actually do at the end of the day. But I think heading into 2020, those are, the, those are the things that we think about and that we worry about, that the Russians are going to continue to try to undermine the validity of the results of our elections through uh, disinformation. What kind of things should we look for to identify a piece of disinformation? So the first thing I think you know, we'd love for people to understand and recognize is that disinformation isn't just fake news. And sometimes it's not even de- designed as a news article, right? A lot of disinformation actually comes through memes, through tweets, through videos, and through all sorts of other content. And so just be aware that it's not just fake news. I know that's a term that's turned around. That's out there quite a bit. So it's not just fake news, that there's a a multitude of ways that this information is being disseminated to you online. The next thing, you know, we would love for people to do in order to identify it is just take a step back and take a second, right? So they're trying to get, adversaries are trying to get you to respond emotionally and to share the disinformation quickly, right? So they want you to see a piece of content and either be angry about it or be overly enthusiastic about it, like, yeah, that's right, and then hit share or retweet or like or whatever the case may be. And so what we'd really like is for people just to take a step back and take a look at the content before they share it or before they engage with it. You know, understand the source, right, is a legitimate source. If you have, if you can take 30 seconds and just do a quick search, Right. Um, to see if there's other legitimate sources that are making the same claim 
if there's a statistic or data associated with, you know, is the data accurate? You know, just take that, you know, a couple of seconds, and it's literally five or 10 seconds to just verify the data and the information to make sure that it's legitimate information, right? Make sure that there's an author associated with the content, you know, or that there's reputable research behind it. So if you can take a couple of seconds to do that. And so really what we, the best way to identify when disinformation is coming is just to take a few seconds to make sure the information is legitimate. And if you're not sure, nobody says that you have to share it, right? You're not forced to share disinformation. And so, you know, if, if you can't verify the facts, if you can't verify the information, you know, it's okay to not share it, right? Think about the reasons why you want to share that, that, that information that's sitting in your social media uh, account, right? Are you trying to advance the conversation? Do you believe it's an important point? You know, we just want people to, to take a deep breath, to think a little bit about what they're sharing and recognize that it's possible that they're sharing disinformation and just take a second to verify it and, and make sure that they understand why they're, they're looking to push that information out there. And so that's a little more than how to identify disinformation, right? It's going to be very difficult for the average American. It's very difficult for, for experts to know whether or not a piece of uh, disinformation is coming from a foreign actor or not. So what we try to make sure is that people just verify the information and the content itself and be almost actor neutral because we don't expect people to be able to go in and verify, you know, who sent it and where it came from and, and all those sorts of things. Is it a foreign actor? Is it not a foreign actor? And so if they can just take a few seconds to, to really understand the content they're getting ready to share before they share it and take that breath and think about the purpose of the sharing, that would be, uh, that would be ideal from our perspective. Now that we know what it is, where we might find it, and how to pick it out, what can we do to manage the risk of disinformation and keep ourselves safe on social media? Do you have any tips or best practices? Sure. So there's five things that we would love everybody to do to help mitigate the risk of, of disinformation. The first is to recognize the risk, right? So the first thing we'd love for people to do and to understand is what foreign adversaries are trying to do to us and how they're trying to influence our behavior and how they're trying to divide us as a nation, right? So the first step is really trying to understand a little bit about the risk. We put out a, a product a few weeks ago called the, the War on Pineapple, which takes a lighthearted look at how adversaries try to divide us, how they run uh, disinformation campaigns using pineapple on pizza as a divisive issue. And so I think that's a good, just a good tool to start to, uh, to, to see how this works and understand the risk and how adversaries do it. So that's the first step is really understanding the risk. And there's lots of places you can go. The Mueller indictments and the Mueller report are excellent sources to understand the risk if you, if you want to, you know, do a little bit more reading. But there's tons of good material out there in terms of just understanding what adversaries are trying to do to us. I think the key things to know is that it's not just fake news. I mentioned that earlier, that they're looking, that they're willing to exploit any issue. And so there's not just particular issues that they're willing to exploit. They will jump on board any issue that's out there. They are trying to build audience using non-controversial topics. So, right, they'll, they'll just have a normal account and they'll start trying to build an audience by pushing non-controversial, non-politically based comments out there to hopefully get followers and build trust and build relationships and become part of the group. And then over time, they'll start, you know, sticking in political messaging or divisive content or pushing people to the side, to different sides of the argument. And so really just understanding how the risk works. The second step is questioning the source. So I talked a little bit about this in my previous answer, but really, you know, figure out who produced the content. You know, do they have a bias? Is it a legitimate source? Do they do, they do 
good sourcing of their uh, content, you know, really understand the source of material that you're using. So, so that's step two. I talked about that a little bit uh, earlier. Investigate the issue is step three. And again, this is for us, is just search for other re reliable sources before sharing, right? So if you see something and you can do a quick Google search on the topic, you'll see if other legitimate sources have similar information, similar content. Generally, you will find other sources that have similar stories and just make sure you, you verify what's being said and, and, and that it's accurate. The fourth thing is to think before you link. And as I mentioned earlier, really what we want people to do is just to take a deep breath. Adversaries are trying to push emotional buttons in order to get us to respond quickly. And so just take a step back before you share something that's going to be controversial or that, that's, going to, that's you know, going to be emotionally charged. And just make sure you understand what's going on and, and that you're sharing it and you know, why you're sharing it. Is it a legitimate source, right? Is it, uh, you know, are the facts involved legitimate? I just take that second, you know, we'd love for people just to take a, a step back. And then again, recognize that you don't have to share something, right? If you don't think it's going to improve the conversation, it's okay not to share it. And then the fifth thing we, we talk to people about is to talk to their circles, their social circles. And so we want people engaging each other, not on the content of the disinformation, but what they know about how disinformation works and how to avoid becoming part of disinformation campaign, right? So a lot of times, and we've all seen this, uh, I'm sure we've all seen this online where somebody posts something that's controversial and then the comments become very acrimonious where people are arguing back and forth and there's really no actual discussion taking place here. Rather than just throwing content in there and, you know, you're that's fake, that's wrong, you know, you're bad, you're good, whatever the case may be, you know, take a step back, you know, maybe touch base with the person offline and say, hey, just so you know, I think this was disinformation. Here's kind of how I think about it. Here's how... Right. You want to kind of take the heat down and the tone down in the discussion. So, you know, so that's the fifth is really we want people to be able to talk to their friends, to their family. I think that the question I get most when I'm out talking about this is, you know, I have this Uncle Johnny who always posts this crazy stuff on Facebook. What should I tell him? How can I talk to him? Well, what we want people to be talking to their to their friends and family about is, hey, there's a real risk out there. Here's what that risk looks like. And then here are some simple things they can do, and it's it's really just walking through what I what I told them. You know, take a minute to to dig into the source. You know, investigate the issue a little bit. Do a quick search. Uh, think before you link. Don't have that emotional response. And then once you're comfortable with that, you know, talk to other people and and continue to kind of expand our, our knowledge out there. And so that's what we're looking for. I think those are the steps that we've learned uh, talking to experts and 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 people who are involved in the field. And so they're pretty simple things. They don't take a lot of extra time for folks. Uh, when they're online, and, and we hope everybody can just take a, a couple seconds and, and kind of run through those steps. If there was one specific thing you would ask our listeners to do, what would it be? So this is this is a great question, and and I think what I'd want to tell people is is that each of us has the ability, the power to stop this information, right? We can blame the adversaries, we can blame the Russians, we can blame whomever, but at the end of the day, if we as individuals don't share disinformation. It's not going to spread. And so the one thing I would really ask our listeners, your listeners to do is to, to again, just take a moment before you, you, you spread something. Make sure you understand the risk of disinformation. Make sure you, you, you're comfortable with the source, that you've investigated the facts, you know, that you think just take that second before you before you push it out there. We as Americans have the ability to better protect our democracy. Right? This is a direct attack on our democracy and our way of life. And so it's up to all of us to kind of take that minute, to take those 30 seconds, that 10 seconds, 
before we share something, we can be the ones who stop this information. We have that power to stop it. And so that would be the last thing I'd say to folks that if I had one thing I could tell them, you know, don't hit share on everything. You know, if you see an angry cat picture, okay to hit share on that. But, you know, if you're seeing things that are going to get people mad, get people angry, you know, maybe just take a moment before you, before you hit the, the share button on that. So uh, we have the power. It's up to us. And as Americans, I think we can do it. Thank you for tuning in to Prima's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Should you have any questions regarding this podcast or any podcast in this series, please email education at primacentral.org. To learn more about Prima's educational resources, please visit primacentral.org. Thanks again.